0: I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number two in the back to school beginning of the year series. And today I am going to share with you my shopping list and my to do list for those of you who are finding out about your caseload, just discovering what grade levels you're going to be teaching, or you know what the makeup of your year is going to look like. Because apparently some of you find this out like a week before school starts, which was like mind blowing to me. I mean, obviously if you just get hired last minute, I know all that, but some of you who are returning teachers are just now finding that out right before school starts. And so I thought, okay, well I've done back to school, I've done the beginning of the year many, many times, I'm gonna make a shopping list. I'm gonna make a to-do list, and then I'm gonna like try it and see, can I go into school and in one day be ready for kids? And I did it. And so I wanna share with you what that kind of looked like for me. And for some of you, you might be like, oh girl, I don't have that kind, you know, I don't have a whole day, or that's not gonna work for me, or I'm so slow. And that might be true. But I'm gonna share what I did, and then you can kind of adapt and modify it for your needs. And I'm also going to link some things in the show notes that will actually help you do some of these things and make it even faster for you. So first things first, let's talk about the shopping list. I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, Amanda, you want me to go shopping like I'm a brand new teacher. I don't have any money, I can't go shopping, that's okay. What I want you to know is more than likely you have a lot of these things laying around or in your cabinet, or you've been using them for years, and so if you're just finding out your caseload, you might have a handful of these things already handy and ready to go. Are you ready for what you have to do now? First, you're going to place a Walmart pickup order, or a Target order, or order some things online, and you're going to get the supplies that I have listed, or maybe you're gonna raid your own closet, and find the supplies that I have mentioned on that shopping list then you're gonna pick a day where you can dedicate a good chunk of your time, carry all that stuff into school and start cranking out this to-do list. I always start by printing all of their IEPs. So on your shopping list, there is the one and a half inch binder and then the A to Z tabs. Those A to Z tabs are also three hole punched and you can put those in your binder. And then as you print those IEPs, three hole punch them, and put them in the binder. I like to go by last name. If you had another system or wanted to do by first name, you could, but I like to hole punch them, put them in by last name, hole punch the next, put it in by last name. As I'm doing that, I'm kind of looking through what kinds of goals do they have? What kinds of services do they have? What stands out is like something I need to know or be aware of, but I like to start by printing out all of those IEPs and getting them in that binder. And I really like to do that because if somebody says, hey, when's that IEP due? I can pull it out. I don't have to go dig through their file. It's right there. Um, Sometimes I even like that for, um, let's say it's nearing test time and you're trying to make a list of accommodations. I don't want to go into the computer system and say, well, this student has this, this and that. That student has this, this and that. This student, I I want it all in one place because it takes so much longer when I'm switching from this student to that student to this student and back and forth. If it's all in one binder, I can literally sit and flip. And a lot of times I might make a checklist of these people have a read aloud accommodation. These people have a calculator. These people have, you know, I can just really go through and make lists because it's all in one binder also whenever it's time to make schedules and I want to say well how many minutes does she have for push-in time or how many minutes does she have for reading or math it's right there I don't have to log on find that student look at their IEP find the next student look at their IEP it's just all in the binder now I say that because I love paper pencil I have said that before and I will probably say it again There are some things that I love to be digital and that's fine, but there are other things that I just like to have physically in my hands and that's one of them. So I always print out all their IEPs and especially for a new teacher or somebody in a new role, then you can start to see what the needs are of your students. You could also start taking notes as to okay I have these five students who have this kind of goal this student has a goal that's kind of odd and doesn't fit in with some of the others oh all of these students are working on this these students are working on that and so you could kind of make sense of the students that you have as you're doing this the next thing on your to-do list is to create student files for every single student Now, on your shopping list, I have file folders. Those could be hanging file folders, just standard file folders. I think that's more your preference and then what cabinet space you have um, available to you. But for me, I have a hanging file cabinet, and so I use hanging file folders. And with those, I just print out some labels, which again, those are included in the show notes. You can download those if you want. And with those, I print them out and put them in... um, the the hanging file tab the little clear tab and put those in the cap in the drawer with those then any files that are maybe already remaining you might have to condense those But what I'm finding is not a lot of people keep files the way I do. I literally keep everything. And so you might have something that's there. Maybe you can work with that. Maybe you wanna switch that over to be a brand new file folder, transfer some of that. Maybe you wanna color code. I don't anymore, but I used to color code by grade level. So maybe all of my kindergartners were yellow, all of my first graders were blue, all of my second graders were green. I don't do that now just because whenever I moved schools, I had a hanging file folder and I used hanging files and I only had purple, which was my favorite color. So it was all good. But um, find a system using file folders so that you have a file for each and every one of your students. On your shopping list, it tells you to buy a calendar. That could be a desk calendar, that could be a planner, that could be your lesson plan book, whatever works for you. So for me, I like to have a desk calendar. I also still use Google Calendar, especially last year where we were doing everything through Google Meet, but I prefer a desk calendar. I know some teachers are more of a physical planner that they can more fold up like a book, take with them here or there. That's fine, whatever you prefer, but get a planner or a calendar so that you're ready to actually start putting some dates on the calendar. And start first by putting when school is open and closed. So when's the first day, when's the last day, when is fall break, when's winter break, when's spring break, when are those random Mondays or Fridays that you're off for maybe Good Friday or the President's Day, whatever. Start putting those on the calendar. I also like to put all of my progress monitoring dates so that I know what I'm going to be progress monitoring. And I also put uh, most calendars, not all, but most calendars have a notes section or they have a day that is blank. So maybe if the month starts on a Thursday, you might have four empty boxes for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then the first is on Thursday. And so I use some of those empty boxes to put who has a conference that month. So I would go to September and I would put Kyle, Amanda, Olivia. Those people have conferences in September. I'd flip it to October and I would say, Aubrey, Lucas, Brantley, they have conferences in October. I'd flip to November and I would write, Julie, Jake, they have conferences in November. Flip to December and just keep adding those names. Oftentimes next to that, I'll put like Amanda, hers is on the 15th, Kyle, his is on the 7th. That way I know, is it early in the month? Is it late in the month? And if there are any students where that date is going to be in the first week of May, I'll make a note in April. Or if there's going to be a conference due the first week of October, I make a note of it in September. And I do that because I don't wanna turn my calendar to March or turn my calendar to April and have surprises that I have a conference due in like one week. So I try to always make a note. That way, at the beginning of the month, I can say, okay, here's who I have this month, and I better make sure I have a plan for how am I going to schedule and hold all of those conferences. So be sure that not only you buy and have a calendar, but you get some of those very, very important dates put onto your calendar so that you can kind of start planning ahead. After I got my calendar ready, I emailed all of my general education teachers. And so I have a couple of thoughts and it might be fitting for some of you or not fitting for others of you. So I'm going to share it. And if it fits, do it. If it doesn't fit, then don't do it so first if you're a brand new teacher or you're in a brand new role i would suggest emailing the teachers that you are going to work with and kind of tell them about yourself you know are you a mom with three kids are you a fresh graduate and you don't have any children yet but you're getting married in the spring you know tell a little bit about yourself if you have teaching experience maybe tell them a little bit about that it doesn't have to be braggy or hey i've taught you know for 15 years or anything but share some information about yourself. I also like to invite them to include you on the team. So for example, I am somewhat changing roles this year. We have a grant at our school that's going to pay for another special ed teacher and I hope it's permanent forever, but for now I'm gonna make the most of it. And so where before I did kindergarten through third, now I will be doing just second and third for this year. So I emailed my teachers and told them a little bit about that change. I told them I'm gonna have a little bit more time to address the needs of their students because I'm not trying to cover four grade levels. I'm only doing those two. And so I said to them, if you'd like to include me in common planning time, if you're gonna have a team meeting, if you're gonna meet up this summer, let me know. I'd be glad to come. Just kind of letting them know, I wanna be part of your team, here's who I am. And then I also ask them for any ideas or feedback or changes that they would like to see made. Especially if you're a teacher in a brand new role, they might've hated five things that the special ed teacher did before and loved 10 things that she did. Ask them for some of that feedback. What did you love and what would you like to see change for special education? So email the teachers, tell them who you are, tell them what goals you have, Ask what their goals or what they want from you, that kind of thing, just so that they know who you are. Word it in a way where it shows your personality, where it shows how you are. For me, I'd probably include 10 exclamation marks and um, a few emojis in there. That's me. That's what they're getting. And so, you know, do whatever kind of fits your needs, but email your general education teachers. I may be the annoying teacher who sends too many emails because not only did I email them just kind of like, hey guys, here's what's up with the school year. I sent a separate email just so that they're kind of not mixing the two things because they're two very different topics. So my second email was asking them about scheduling. And so in that email, I just asked, what are three times that would be optimal for push-in services where either myself or my assistant will be coming into your classroom, and what times would be optimal for pull-out services? And at my school, we have a time, we call it bear pause, and pause is not like a paw. It is P-A-U-S-E, pause, because we pause what we're doing and everybody works at their level. And our mascot is a brown bear, so bear pause. We pause what we're doing to work on intervention. So during bear pause, I try to pull a lot of my students where it fits. So I say that in the email. I'm going to try to pull as many students as I can during your bear pause time. However, if that is not doable, could you give me another another time or two where it would be okay for me to pull your students? some teachers they reply hey i'm not quite working you know i'm not quite done with my schedule yet but i will get back to you okay fine i might even say that i don't think i did in this email this year but a lot of times i'll say i know you're still working on that schedule please let me know when would be three optimal push-in three optimal pull-out times that way i can begin working on a schedule so reach out ask for their preferences that way later when it is time to pull kids they're not missing core instruction, teachers aren't frustrated with you, and do your best to give them that time when possible. Obviously, there are things out of our control, but do what you can to accommodate their schedule. While I think sending an email is very important, I also wanna say if it's possible to meet in person, that's even better. So being a new teacher in a new building or a new grade level or just a brand new teacher in general, Sometimes it's much easier to just keep hiding out in our room and then nobody has to know we're there. But I encourage you, even if you're an introvert, I encourage you to go introduce yourself. Go shake their hand, wave at them, say hi, and introduce yourself so that you can meet those people in person when possible. Obviously, COVID has told us that sometimes meeting in person is not always possible. Hopefully, as you're beginning this 2021 school year, you're able to do all of those things, but if possible, even if it's from a distance, make sure that you go meet and physically talk to and see those people that you're going to be working with. Because while sending an email, I think is a great first step and it is something that you should do, but meeting somebody in person is just different. You can even get a vibe for, ooh, how, how is it going to be working with her? Or, oh, I think we're gonna just click, we get along so well. So when possible, meet people in person so that you can actually kind of get a a feel for how that relationship is going to be. What does their classroom look like? What is their style, that kind of thing. So yes, an email is great, but if it's possible, and also that may depend on how much time you have or who's in there working in their classroom while you're in there working in your classroom, but if possible, Meet people in person so that you can really get to know them a little bit better. Obviously, it's still short notice, but any time that you can meet and talk with them would be valuable to the future of your relationship. Now you're done with email and it's time to move on to phone calls. Now, this will be different for everybody and you may be like, girl, no way. Or you might be like, "Uh, okay, I guess I can do that. But for me, I like to call all of my parents. I like them to, and I give them my cell phone number, which I know is debated. You may not be that way. Call from the school phone if that's what you prefer. But I like to call them and touch base. It can be a very quick phone call. But for me, I call from my cell phone and I introduce myself and I let them know when back to school night is, which if you listen to episode one, you already know that. I call them, I say, hey, back to school night is on this day, this time, I'd love for you to come meet me. I'll be your student special education teacher, blah, 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 blah. Do you have any questions for me? Um, I've been looking over their IEP and I might have a question or two for them ask them if they have questions and then i let them know that the number i'm calling from is my cell phone and they are more than welcome to call or text anytime and i usually let them know i'm better with text messages because i can see that pop up on my watch i can answer that when i get home sometimes most of the time if you call me during the school day i am not going to answer because i'm in the middle of a group but I always tell them, I, I would prefer you have my phone number so you can just get in touch with me at any time and let me know. I know not everybody agrees with that, but maybe if you have Class Dojo while you're on the school phone, you could say, hey, we have Class Dojo, which is what we use to communicate, um, or Class Tag, or some of those other options. Let them know how to communicate with you. That way, from here on out, you're already the new teacher, you don't also need them struggling to know the who, what, when, where of how to get in contact with you. For some of you, you might already know this information. It kind of depends on, are you new to a school, new to a district, new to a role? Have you been there and you're familiar? Where do you stand? But you're also going to need to find out about any duties or meetings or recurring things. So for example, for me, I have two students who ride the special needs bus and I have to get them off the bus every single morning. And so that's something that in my schedule, I have to put 8.15 to 8.40 every day is my bus duty. And then I can really start to then know, okay, 8.40, I'm done with that. I might stop and use the bathroom. My first group is for bear paws at 8.45 works out perfectly. So put some of those duties, maybe if you have a recess duty or a lunch duty or after school I also have a car rider duty that I do. So put those things because those are really non-negotiables and you need to start outlining that. Maybe you have a student that needs help at lunch. Whatever the case is, put some of that. You might also have like a PLC or your grade level planning times. So make sure that you you know some of those times and put them in. For me, PLC is not every day, so mine is like I need time slotted for PLC. However, that also conflicts with my bus duty. So we need a bus duty schedule so that I can go to PLC and the other special ed teacher can go to PLC. So maybe begin asking some of those questions of other teammates or your principal. What duties are you going to have? Because it would be terrible if you do the next step, which is to start building out a schedule and you haven't even considered any of these duties because we all know as teachers we will have them so be sure you're asking someone whether it again is a teammate your principal whoever figure out what duties are you going to have so that you can plan around them i also have a template for you for outlining your schedule. And so with that, you might need to make some changes, but I've tried to make it pretty generic so that you can either print it out and kind of color and shade different chunks of time, or if you're familiar with PowerPoint and like to use that, you can start merging this box and that box to create a 30 minute chunk of time or whatever so that you can do it digitally. So whether you like to print it or you want it digitally, start outlining a schedule. A lot of times, I'm going to be honest, I might put this on my board with dry erase markers and start using post-it notes. So I might out, my first draft might actually be on my board based on those emails as they roll in from teachers. So if one teacher says, hey, 8.30 to nine would be a perfect time. I would write that teacher's name and 8.30 to nine and I put it on the board in that slot. And then I can really start moving and kind of visually seeing it. That's just the way my brain works. But if that works for you, put it on the board. Put some post-it notes up there and start manipulating it and then you can start making you know, a paper version of that schedule as you kind of finalize and iron out all of those details. The next thing on your to-do list is to organize your personal supplies and your student supplies. So I would like you to think about what personal supplies are you going to need? Well, for me, I know I have a certain kind of pen that I like to use, certain kind of markers that I like to grade with. I like to have my own stapler and my own hole punch, my own post-it notes and scissors and things like that. If you're a returning teacher, you may already have many of those things in your cabinet. If you're a new teacher, maybe you do have to go buy some of those things. If you're like me, you were probably hoarding those things years before you ever even became a teacher or they might be left in the classroom that you're coming into. So think about your personal supplies and kind of get those organized so that you're ready to use those. And for me, that's the fun part, getting to open up brand new pens and markers. That's pure joy for me. So get your personal supplies ready. The next thing on your to-do list is to take care of student supplies. And so this is very similar to what you just did for yourself, your personal supplies. However, for our students, oftentimes they aren't coming to you with their own bag of goodies that their parent bought for your classroom. Oftentimes they have a school supply list for their classroom teacher or for that particular grade level, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have a package of pencils for Mrs. Wilkes' class. That doesn't mean that they're going to have scissors and glue and crayons to leave in your room. They're going to need those things in their classroom. And so for me, sometimes if there was something I knew I was going to need, um, you know, scissors or glue or some of those things that maybe I didn't have, I would ask them to bring their pencil pouch or their pencil box with them. But for me, I just like to buy those things and have them readily available. Now, depending on your budget, you might be saying, I am not buying all of those things. And that's okay. Again, you could just ask them to bring it from their classroom with them but that could get cumbersome if you're doing that every single day. So for me, I like to have pencils, scented markers, highlighters, crayons, scissors, some glue sticks. I like to have that already in my room and we may not use it all every day, but I do like to buy that. The good thing is a lot of times you're only going to have maybe five to 10 kids in your room. So it's not like you're buying a class set of 25 to 30 packages of markers or packages of crayons. So for me, a lot of times, I just start watching Walmart and Target ads, and then I go scoop up 10 boxes of crayons, and I can usually do that for under $5. So that's what I like to do, but that's not a requirement. That doesn't mean that that's necessary for you, but the next thing on your to-do list is to kind of get those things organized. What do you need for your students? On your shopping list, you also had some clasp envelopes and some letter trays for sorting. And so I wanna talk about how you might use those. And these, again, are up to you. Maybe my style doesn't quite fit yours, but they have been very successful for me. So clasp envelopes, I like to use those for sending paperwork back and forth to school. And so if I were you, I would buy a package of maybe 10 or 12 clasp envelopes and I would laminate them with a little note on the front that says, you know, please return to Mrs. Wilp, or whatever, you know, please sign and return, whatever you want it to say. I would laminate that on the front, that way they're durable, so that you can send paperwork to and from parents, with students, all year long, back and forth. Now, you might start the year with 10 or 12, But then, you know, there's that student who the envelope never makes it back, so you might have to make a few more as the year goes on. But I like to start the year with about 10 or 12 good envelopes so that I can start sending paperwork home with students whenever we cross that bridge. It may not be on day one, but whenever that time comes, I've got something so that I can send paperwork home with my students. Let's also talk about those letter trays. So for me, I have four letter trays and each of them have a purpose that stays all year long. So in the top letter tray or in the top tray, I have paperwork that I'm going to use often. For example, I keep, um, we have a cover sheet that anytime we send IEP signatures, we have to include a cover sheet and that cover sheet just tells the special ed secretary Um, you know, was this an annual, was it a move in, was it a reevaluation? Did anything change? Are we adding accommodation? So it has some check boxes in a spot to put the note. And so I like to keep those there i also keep some special transportation forms because those have to be updated at annuals and so i just like to have those handy because oftentimes when i'm going to grab that cover sheet i'm like oh this is a kid who also rides special transportation i've got to fill that out so it's just like everything that i'm going to need for submitting a signature all in one place that away hopefully i'm not forgetting this or forgetting that so that's what's in my top tray in the second tray then I put any paperwork that needs to be filed. So I like to have a spot for things that just need to be filed because let's face it, sometimes I might get the school psychologist has sent a couple of reports and I need to print those. And I wrote an observation report for this kid or that kid and I need to print those. And I assess this kid or I have a signature for this that has been submitted, but I don't have time to file everything all at one time. And so I have a spot for that and it, I just throw it all in there. And then once every couple of weeks, I'll go through and file the whole stack at one time. Sometimes if an assistant or my daughter or somebody is saying, do you have something to do? They can file some of those papers. So I like to have a spot to kind of keep things all in one place. I'm not ready to touch it, I'm not ready to file it yet, but I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle of everything else. So. The top tray is kind of all those signatory papers that I might need. The second is just all of the things that I don't have time to deal with now, and I'm gonna put it in there, file it once every couple of weeks. Then in the third tray, I have my copies of IEPs because I keep those in a binder. But again, sometimes I might hold four conferences in one day and finalize four IEPs and I print them at different times, or a parent returns a signature at a different time, so I just don't have time to open up that binder each and every time, and so I might wait till I have four or five of them all printed, hole punched, and ready to go, and then I put them in the binder. The bottom tray is for everything that needs to go to either another teacher or to the permanent record, and usually I put a little post-it note, like this is all paper clipped together, it's going to the permanent record, This is all going to the speech teacher or this is all going to our behavior teacher. This I need to give to the occupational therapist, whatever. So the bottom tray is for mostly permanent records, but also if it's like, ooh, I printed this for Sarah, I'll give that to her in a little bit, or this is for Andrea and that's where it belongs. So it goes in the bottom tray. Those letter trays really help at least keep my desk free of clutter. I know where everything is And if it's not, say, in that bottom tray for PRs, then I know, hey, I've already filed away that particular IEP or psych report um, or FBA. I've already put it in the permanent record. So I like that because it just helps keep me organized. The next thing on your to-do list is to prepare a small group area. Depending on your new role, you might not be doing a lot of pull out. Maybe you're doing a lot of push in. So if that's the case, maybe this falls later to the uh, later on your list. Maybe that's not important at all for you, but I know a lot of resource room teachers, you're pulling small groups, whether it's all day or a percentage of your day, but you're going to need a place to come with your students where you can knock out some work, do some learning so make sure that that area is conducive to that. To wrap up, I want to first start off by saying the things on this to-do list are not the only things that you're going to have to do. Obviously, there are going to be other things. I haven't even talked about decorating your classroom, cleaning out old things that might need to, you know, be out of the way. It's old. That I haven't even talked about that. But in my mind, those things are not nearly as important as starting off the school year well-organized, knowing what your students need, having a good schedule, having good relationships with general ed teachers. So yes, there are other things that you're probably going to have to do, but if you're talking about going into school and you have one or two days to get your life together, In my mind, these are the most important things that you have got to knock out before you can move on to all of those other things. Now, hopefully, in a perfect world, you at least have maybe a week or so, and you can knock out all of these things that I told you about today in one day, and then from there, you can start working on some of the other things, like decorating, cleaning up, getting things organized, Um, you know, maybe the closets are a wreck. I'm sorry, shut the door go on, start the school year, and you can clean out those closets at a later time. But what's the most important? I think the things that I have shared are the most important for at least getting the school year started. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.